This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. You know, there are many times when speaking with listeners to this program, I often hear that Gunsmoke is a favorite. Well, here's the background story. In the late 1940s, CBS chairman William S. Paley, a fan of the Philip Marlowe radio serial, asked his programming chief to develop a hard-boiled Western series, a show about a Philip Marlowe of the Old West. It was created by director Norman MacDonald and writer John Meston. Meston relished the upending of cherished Western fiction cliches and felt that few Westerns gave any inkling of how brutal the Old West was in reality. As originally pitched to CBS executives, this was to be an adult Western, not a grown-up Hopalong Cassidy. The stories take place in and around Dodge City, Kansas, during the settlement of the American West. The central character is lawman Marshal Matt Dillon, played by William Conrad. And Chester was played by Parley Bear. And now, tonight's episode, Billy the Kid. Around Dodge City, into the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it, Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Wanted for murder. Wanted for murder. Clay Richards. Clay Richards. Age 31. Height 6 feet. Eyes brown. Hair red. Eyes brown, hair red. Hey, how'd you like me to print his picture on these notices? I got a woodcut. Let me show you. Ernie! Yep? That's your marshal copy of that front page. Interviewing Clay's wife yesterday, I noticed a tintype on the mantle. Their wedding photograph. So, first thing you know, I snitched it. It's very thoughtful. Yeah, oh, I'll take it, Ernie. And then I propped it up in front of me and carved me this woodcut. Ain't she prime? Ain't she just elegant? Real elegant. Good likeness, don't you think? 
course, he was seven or eight years younger when it came back. Yeah, it's a good likeness. Hair short and Doesn't high. show what makes a law-abiding man like him try to rob a bank. Doesn't look like a man who murdered an old cashier and a Chinese cook who just happened to be there. But it's a good likeness. Yes, there it is. A picture like this sure dresses up the front page, don't it? Yeah, it's a little masterpiece, Mr. Hightower. A notable contribution to the culture of Dodge City. Well, thank you, Marshal. Does fetch the eye, don't it? I'm printing an extra 500 copies of the weekly, and I bet I sell them all. Too bad the cashier's shot went wild. If he'd managed to kill Clay or even wing him, why, I bet I could sell a thousand extra copies. We must be thankful for the blessings we do receive, Mr. Hightower. Oh, I am, Marshal, I am. Why, just before it happened yesterday afternoon, I didn't know what I was going to fill my columns with. And then, like manna from heaven, two murders in the bank robbery. Attempted bank robbery, Mr. Hightower. He turned and ran for he got his hands on so much as a dollar. Yes. Still as you say, like manna. Dylan, I... I I'm talking to... business. What is it, Chester? Well, it's been made, I guess, Mr. Dillon. Hey, yeah, print Clay's picture on those notices, Mr. Hightower. Oh, where were we? Uh, eyes brown, hair red. Oh, yes. Also known as Red, Bricktop, and Sorrel. He uh, didn't answer to no other nicknames, did he? No, that's what they called him. All right, then in big letters, $400 reward. Dead or alive. And at the bottom, apply Matt Dillon, Marshall, Dodge City. Mm-hmm. And I print 200 copies. How soon can I send Chester over for him? This afternoon. Good morning, Mr. Hightower. Chester. Think those posters will do any good? Richards is probably over the line into Oklahoma or Colorado by now. That strawberry roan of his is the fastest in the county. He has no money. He panicked and ran out of the bank before he got a penny. I think he'll try to get help from his wife or brother or a friend the first chance he has. Maybe tonight. I say he's around here somewhere. I, uh... I'm sorry I turned on you like that, Chester. Why, that's all right, Mr. Dillon. Out all night with a posse, no sleep, man's bound to get touchy. No, it's not that. It's, it's the way... It's the way people use a thing like this. The men riding posse last night, they enjoyed it as though they were hunting fox or possum. Hightower back there, he acts like it was a birthday treat, specially gotten up for him. Everybody finds a way to use it. Uh, what, what was it you wanted to tell me? Hmm? Oh, I, I got a kid, a, a little boy, locked up in a cell. Uh-huh. He run away from home, back in Cottonwood. Ed Slade turned him over to me when he come through on the stagecoach just now. Kid about 12 years old. Who's is he? Widow woman, Miss Bonnie. She runs a boarding house in Cottonwood. Ed says kid's always running away a little while, I guess. He flagged Ed for a ride on the road halfway between there and here. Soon as Ed seen him stand there with his bundle on his shoulder, he knowed what he was up to. So he told the kid he'd help him and then turn him over to us when he got here. All right, we'll send a telegram to the mother to come fetch him. Well, come on in, Chester, and shut the door. Mr. Dillon? You're letting in every horse fly in Kansas. Mr. Dillon, I think you better cancel the order for them notices. What? The Dutchman's coming up the street. And he's leading a strawberry roan, and Clay Richards is draped across his back. Like a sack of wheat across the saddle. Last time I saw him, two days ago. 
He was standing at the bar laughing his head off. A sack of wheat across the saddle. And followed by half the saloon bums and loafers in town. All right, Chester, make him keep back. All right, now stand back, you fellas. Come on now, back. Stand back. Ziegler. How did it happen, Ziegler? My goat, my old billy goat, he pushes open the pens last night and runs away. Forget your goat. What about Clay? Guy, I tell you. This morning, I go to look for a goat. I walk here, there. Or near the river, I see Clay. He sits there. I say, hello, Clay. The gate. You dirty Dutchman. You know the dog. Clay was your best friend. He helped you buy your farm, so you kill him for a All right, all of you. Keep back, everybody. Clay? Me? No, no. My brother, he was like, we was in the war together. Bitter, listen. You killed him for the war. Not so. I killed nobody. Not, not since Gettysburg. Clay is dead already when I find him. I don't even own a pistol. Ziegler, inside, quick. Yeah, yeah. Chester, give me a hand with Clay. All right, all of you. Listen up. Shut up! I will not tolerate a disturbance. You know me. I got him, Chester. Take his legs. All right, kick the door shut. Marshal, I don't kill Clay. On this table, Chester. What'd you do with Clay's gun? His holster's empty. Gun? Clay's? I ain't got it. I don't even own one. Chester, see if it slipped out. His we holster up. was empty coming up the street. First thing I noticed. Maybe it's over uh, on the... Another customer? Why, that's three in less than a day. Oh, bountiful harvest. My fees this month will keep me in luxury. In luxury? Doc, I uh, want to have an inquest as soon as possible. Well, as soon as I finish the autopsy, shouldn't take long with the practice I've had this week. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, late afternoon all right with you? I'll take him up to my office right now. No, thank you, Chester. I can carry him all by myself here. You just open the door there like a good fella. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Marshal, tell the city fathers I'd like to make a deal when the corpses are as famous as this one. <laughs> Back in 53 in San Francisco, a fellow I knew earned a fortune, exhibiting the head of Joaquin Marietta. Tell them if they'll let me keep the remains... I'll do the autopsies for nothing. Shut the door, Chester. Ziegler, where is it you met Clay on the river? By the fort. This side, by the fort. Right out there, Chester, and see if you can find Clay's gun. Maybe he dropped it when he was shot. I did not shoot Clay. Sure. I did not. I had no reason to. I did not. I did not. Now, you listen to me. Maybe you think Dodge has got so big, I don't know about everything that goes on here. Well, if you do, you're wrong. If you think I don't know about the bank having an overdue mortgage on your farm, you're wrong. $400 is reason enough for a struggling farmer like you. No. Couldn't do such a thing. I am a human being. To a peace officer, Ziegler, that's enough grounds for suspicion. But whether you did it or not, we decided it's your trial. In the meantime, you just stop yammering about it. Trial? Me? Even when I shoot somebody, I stand trial. If they find it's justifiable homicide, and they probably will, Clay being a wanted man, then they'll let you off. And if not... Please, I am permitted to go now. Go? Are you crazy? 
My farm, this stock, I, I must look after it. You sit right down. Do you want to be lynched? You're trying to get yourself murdered? Have you forgotten about Clay's brother, Adam? Adam would not believe I shot him. What difference does it make whether he believes it or not? His brother's been killed. Everybody's looking to him to do something about it, and he knows it. You want me to guess where he is right this minute? He's in one of them saloons lapping up courage to come in here and ask me to give you to him for a present. You want to know who's with him? Ever loafer, ever bum, ever slob in town. Slapping him on the back and telling him what a shame it is. Taking him on to kill you so that they can have some excitement and some fun. Well, maybe you deserve killing, but it's my job to uphold the law, and I'm not letting you out of here. What? I tell you, you might that... spend your time trying to think up a better story. That is, if you intend to stay in this town. All right, now think back. Didn't Clay go for his gun before you shot him? I tell you, I didn't. If I'm not under arrest, you have no right to keep me here. I got to look after my farm. I go. All right, Chester, lock him up. Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. Come on now, Ziegler. Step out, Sonny. This cage is bespoke. Who's in there, Chester? Yeah, that little old runaway from Cottonwood. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Come over here, son. Come over here to me. I know who you are. <laughs> you do, do you? You bet. You're Matt Dillon. <laughs> I'm guilty. I know you right off. He was pointed out to me one day back home. Pillar says you was the fastest gun thrower in Kansas. <laughs> Wyatt Earp wouldn't be awful interested to hear that, I'm afraid. Pillar says you was faster than older. Faster than Wild Bill Hickok and Hay City and Bat Masterson or any of them. How many fellas have you killed? You don't keep score, son. It's something you try to forget. Not me. Someday I'll be famous like you, and for every filler I kill, I'll, I'll put a notch on my gun. People see those notches, and they'll know they better not try. Why'd you run away from home, bub? Don't you know your mother's likely to worry about oh, you? Oh, she won't worry. She's too busy working. You ain't gonna make me go back, are you? You wouldn't do that, would you? Well... Because it wouldn't stop me for long. I'd only run away again. Oh, where are you off to in such a sweat? Oh, Texas, California, Mexico. Well, can accomplish things there, not like living in old Cottonwood. If you let me go, someday when I'm famous, you can tell people you helped get me started. Well, well that's, that's a pretty strong inducement. Um, I'll have to think about it for a while. And uh, look, uh, while I'm making up my mind, I, I want you to give me your word. Word of a man who'll be famous someday that uh, he won't try to run away from me. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll have to have Chester lock you up again. I'll shake on that. Good, good. Now, Chester, I want you to go look for Clay's gun. Yes, Mr. Dillon. And uh, on the way, stop off and send that uh, telegram. You know? Hmm? Oh, that telegram. Hey, yes, Mr. Dillon. I'll Where's Ziegler? It's all right, Chester. Go ahead. Yes, Mr. Dillon. Where's that murdering dog? Oh, there you are, you... Not a single step further, Adam. I want him, Dylan. He murdered Clay, shot him down without giving him a chance. How do you know? Because Clay wouldn't have let anyone catch him off guard except a friend. A friend. Now, Dylan, give me that Dutchman. Try to take him. It's like that? It's like that. And it's true what the fellas say. You made a deal with the Dutchman to give him the reward and protect him if he'd kill Clay for you. That was the deal, wasn't it? Yeah. The fellas say why I'd make such a deal? 
Dylan, it ain't no longer a secret around town that you and Francie warned each other. But Clay was in the way. You had him killed so you could get his wife. Do you deny it? No. No. It'll serve as well as any other crazy story to work you up. You think you're safe behind that star, don't you? Well, Clay had friends, lots of them. I'm coming back with them, friends, and we'll get the Dutchman and you and anyone else who tries to stop us. All right, Adam. I'll be waiting. Yeah. You wait. I almost seen something pretty just then, didn't I, Mr. Dillon? Yeah, almost. About another pint of whiskey ought to do it. We will return for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment, but first... Many radio shows win high popularity with the prizes and cash they give away. But there's one show that's tops because the head man gives away as little as possible. What other radio program could it be but the Jack Benny Show? So be listening. Here's the second act of Gunsmoke. Son? You say something, Mr. Dillon? Uh, yeah, open my drawer in front of you there. You'll find a small bottle of oil in there. No, no, one to the right. Yeah, that's it. Now bring a little brush, too, huh? Here it is. Thanks, bub. It's the right nice gun you have. Yeah, it's not bad, but a little stiff. Just a little stiff. Don't you have a trigger? i never seen no gun without a trigger before. Oh, you remove a trigger or uh, tie it back against a guard. And all you have to do is, uh, bum a hammer. Yeah, hey, like that. It's faster. <laughs> yeah, that's better now. Remove the trigger. I remember that. What in the world for? Well, I remember everything you told me. About the Texas holster and the spring holster and the double roll and filing off the site. It's just me, Mr. Dillon. Oh, any luck, Chester? No, sir, not any. I went to the store first and asked Mr. Denton what kind of ammunition Clay Richard used to buy, and he told me Clay had a double action forty-four. I scarred that riverbank a half mile each way from the ford and not a sign of it. Yeah. I got that telegram off. You know who ought to be here pretty soon. It's only seven, eight miles from... Is that a fire in town? Funeral services for Mr. Grinnell, the cashier. So soon? It's awful hot weather. Yeah. Um, any of your guns need oiling? I don't think so. You sure? When Adam left, he said he'd be coming back. With some friends. I know. I stopped at the Oliphagant just now to rinse out my mouth. Adam was there talking mighty ugly and mighty big. He's got a sizable following. Yeah. When do you think? Any minute now, Mr. Dillon. They want me to take Bob out of here to one of the hotels, maybe? I want to see No, him. I think you'll be safer here, Chester, behind stone walls and dodging about the streets rubbernecking. You keep your head down, sonny, you hear? There's a... Matt, Matt, I've got to talk to you. She ought to be in mourning. If she cared for Clay at all anymore, she ought to be in black. Matt. Oh, Lord, I find them all beautiful all the time. Matt, have you heard what they're saying? What are they saying, Francie? That you and me, that, that you made Pete Ziegler kill him because of... I'm sorry that got back to you, Francie. It's all over, Dodge. 
Adam almost strangled me before they dragged him off. Quincy, I didn't shoot Blake. Quincy, I beg you, believe me. Shut up, Ziegler. Shut up or I'll pop you to death. Francis, just one of those crazy stories. They needed one and they made one of them. But, Matt, everyone believes it. On my way down here, people were pointing, whispering. Old women clucking their tongues at me. They believe it. They'll forget it as soon as this is over. They'll remember that even if we once did go with each other, it was finished and done with even before the war ended, before you even met Clay. No, they won't forget it. For the rest of my life, as long as I stay here, oh, I'll... Hold it a minute, Francis. Yeah, Doc, what is it? Oh, am I interrupting? What is it, Doc? Uh, our topsy's finished. I examined his liver and lights as... This is Mrs. Richard, Doc. Oh, oh, I beg your pardon, ma'am. I'm sure I make no disrespect for the departed. Well? Well, Clay was shot all right, but from the nature of the wound and the coagulation of the blood, I'd say it happened sometime yesterday. I'd say the cashier's bullet didn't go wild after all. How could a dead man gallop away? Well, the wound wasn't what killed Clay. The ball hit the rib case and bounced off. Twenty-two caliber it was. And what did kill him was the stab in the back. Right through the spine. Inflicted sometime this morning. Now, near as I can judge, by a small blade, oh, two or three inches long. It could have been a Barlow knife. Thanks, Doc. <laughs> Please accept my condolences, Mr. Richard. You call the inquest anytime you're ready, Marshal. Chester, close the door. You see? You see, I didn't do it. I didn't shoot him. All right, then you, you stabbed I... him, maybe. You said you never carried a gun. Look, Francie, go home and... Give matters a chance to simmer Matt, down. I'm going to ask you something. Yeah? Turn Pete Ziegler out into the street. What? Francie, they're itching to get their hands on him. Let him have him. It'll prove that story's a lie, that you didn't make a deal with him. Please, Matt, I have to live here. Tell me, I have to live here. Matt? Matt, don't look at me like that. Go home, Francie. Go home or leave town or hang yourself or anything you like. Just go away. Matt. Away! Right now! I bought me a bottle at the Alapagans, Mr. Dillon. Would you care for a drink? No. I guess the funeral's over. There'll be others. Funny. No, I missed that bell. Awful quiet, ain't it? It's just... Just about on schedule. Are you ready, Chester? Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. I'd use a shotgun if I were you. It's more effective when there's a mob to be dealt with. Oh, yes, sir, I am. Ziegler, you too, son. If trouble starts, lie down flat on the floor and keep your head down all the time. Don't gawk to see what's happening. You understand me? Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. All right. Dillon! Dillon! Come out, Dillon! Chester, I want you to stand here in the doorway after I go out where you can cover the back door and me at the same time. Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. All right, Chester. Open the door. It's my duty to warn all of you that you're in the breach of the peace. Uh, I've sworn to uphold the law. 
I've killed men in order to do it, and I'm prepared to do so again. Give us a Dutchman, Dylan. Man! I ask you to be sensible and to leave quietly. But if you refuse to listen to reason, if you insist upon being fools, if you've already decided to act like wolves instead of humans, then there's nothing I can say to make you change your minds. All right, you want Peter Ziegler? Well, he's not more than 20 feet behind me, so come on and get him, any of you. One at a time or all at once. Come on. Which one of you wants to die first? You? You? You, Adam? Well, what do you say, Adam? You let him here. Don't let this star on my coat stop you. Come on. There, I'm not wearing it now. Well, come on, draw, Adam, draw! You all right, Mr. Dillon? Yeah. Get his gun. Man alive, I couldn't even see your hand move. Uh, uh, Marshal, oh, don't tell me. Don't tell Doc, me. Doc, you make one single funny remark and I'll knock you down. You just take him to your office and get to work. Well, I, I never do mean to offend, Marshal. In my line of work, well, bodies, they're just so much lumber. Make all the jokes about him you please, but not to me and not in my hearing. In my line of work, there's nothing humorous about death. Give him a hand, Chester. No, no, no. I can handle the marshals. Thank you. Thank you. Just the same. Can you direct me to the marshal's office? Uh, yes, ma'am. Right here. I'm Marshal Dillon. Well, I left Cottonwood as soon as I got your telegram. I'm Miss Bonnie. Where's my boy? Oh, we have him, ma'am. Safe and sound. Here, let me help you down. Thank you. It's a horse, Chester. Right this way, ma'am. Oh, I'm so sorry he put you to all that trouble, Marshal. The truth of the matter is, he's a wild one and no mistake takes after his father, one scrap after another. Uh, he was no trouble at all. I enjoy children. I like to have them around. Bub? Bub, your ma's here. Son? Chester, where's the boy? Did you let him slip past you? No, sir, Mr. Dillon. He never got past me. Look, the back door is open. He's seen me and he hightailed it, the devil. <laughs> we'll round him up for you, ma'am. Don't worry. Oh, I don't know why I bother hauling him back. If he's run away once, he's run away a thousand times. This time he ran because I wouldn't buy him a gun. He wanted a real one. That boy's just gun crazy, I swear. I got him a nice Barlow knife instead. Barlow knife. I reckon it didn't signify and off he runs. Barlow knife? A kid. Chester finds a kid. Marshal, has he done something bad with it? Told him to use it careful. He promised he'd use Wait, it careful. No, never mind, Chester. He's got Clay's strawberry ruin. We'd never catch up to him. Oh, I try to bring him up right. I tell him to be good, but he don't listen. He just don't listen. Now, calm yourself, ma'am. Just calm yourself. Here's his little bundle, Mr. Dillon. What? Yeah, give it to me. That's pretty heavy. Here, you're better at knots than I am. Open it, will you? The moment he was born, he's been nothing but tribulation to me. Now, please, ma'am. <laughs> What's he got in it, Chester? Shirt, stocking, piece of sausage, and this. 44 double action. Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. That's Clay's gun. Sonny didn't manage to keep it long, did he? 
Well, if he wants a gun that bad, he's bound to get hold of another one somewhere, somehow. Chester, call Mr. Hightower over. Hey! Hey, Mr. Hightower! Oh. Come on over. Mr. Dillon wants you. Marshal, could I have please a drink of water? What? Oh, Ziegler, uh, I forgot all about you. Uh, uh, Chester, where are the keys? Yeah, right there on the desk. Oh. Oh, there we are. It'll be safe for you to go home now. I, I can go back by the phone. Yeah, that's right. I'll send for you for the trial. Well, Duncan should. Duncan should. Watch where you're going, you dumb. Excuse me. Yes, Marshal. Mr. Hightower, it appears that we can do business after all. Get some paper and a pencil. I want some notices printed. Fire away. Wanted for murder. Wanted for murder. Uh, what's the boy's name? Bonnet. William Bonnie. William Bonnie. William Bonnie. Age 12. Height about five feet. Hair light, eyes blue. Mm -hmm. I don't suppose he's known by any other name. I know. Everybody just called him Billy. Or the kid. Also known as Billy. The kid. Gunsmoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by Walter Newman, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in tonight's cast were Don Diamond, Parley Bear, Harry Bartell, and Howard McNair, with Richard Beals, Paul Dubov, Georgia Ellis, and Mary Lansing. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West. In Gunsmoke. Those longtime favorites, Amos and Andy, are rising to new heights in their CBS radio series on Sunday nights. Heard on most of these same stations, Amos and Andy find trouble as constantly as ever and make it just as funny and as human as they have for more than 20 years. Be sure to hear Amos and Andy this Sunday, won't you? Right after the Jack Benny Show. This is Roy Rowan speaking. And remember, there's fast, funny quizzing on the Bob Hawk Show every Monday evening. This is the CBS Radio Network. Stay tuned for Life with Luigi, next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for J. Carol Nash as Luigi on Life with Luigi. We invite you to enjoy life, Life with Luigi, a new comedy show created by Cy Howard and starring that celebrated actor, Mr. J. Carol Nash, with Alan Reed as Pasquale. when Luigi Basco left Italy to start his new life in America, he promised his mother that he would write and tell her about his adventures. 
So now let's read Luigi's letter as he writes to Mama Basco in Italy. Dear Mamma Mia, wonderful thing about America is how people, they take such good care of their health. And for this, they got thousands of doctors. Only thing in America, every doctor is what they call a specialist. As a nose doctor, eye doctor, ear doctor, skin doctor, stomach doctor. <laughs> Mamma mia, I'm worried. What's to happen if I'm going to get sick all over? <laughs> My bedroom is going to look like a doctor's convention. <laughs> Besides the doctors, there's a thousands of hospitals here. And they also specialists too. They got a polyclinic hospital. That's for sick poly. <laughs> general hospital. That's for sick general. <laughs> and last week, I'm going to read about a place in Rochester. It's a special for sick mayors. That's called the Mayor Clinic. <laughs> Another thing in America, they got a law. Everybody has got to go see a doctor once a year and a dentist twice a year. I guess they want you to see the dentist twice a year because they're poorer and they need the money more. <laughs> but the reason I'm right to you about the doctors and the dentists is because right now I'm got a big toothache. But don't worry, Mamma Mia. It's not to hurt me too much. Only when I'm a cracking nuts. <laughs> it feel like I'm got a little hole in my tooth. So I'm going to try to stuff it up with a chewing gum. <laughs> Must there be something wrong? Because everybody is yelling at me to stop a tune. Even this morning, I'm a past the phonograph store, and I'm a hear somebody holler, Luigi, drop it at the gum. Who has a time now to go to my night school class, and I'm going to ask my teacher, Miss Spaulding. Maybe she's to tell me what I can do for my toothache. <laughs> Class, quiet, please, quiet. Now I'll call the roll. Mr. Basco. Present. Mr. Harwick. Present. Mr. Olson. Present. Mr. Schultz. What else? <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you, fellow poobers. Who would I be a sensation on television? <laughs> Mr. Schultz. Well, I'm even prettier than Milton Bill. <laughs> Enough of that, Mr. Schultz. Now, class, our lesson for today is on punctuation. Oh, goody, punctuation. That's my meat. That's his meat. I hope he chokes on a semicolon. You <laughs> were sure. Now, just for that, Mr. Schultz, you're going to answer the first question. Now, I want you to correct the punctuation in this sentence. The will divided the estate among the brothers John, comma, James, comma, and Jack, but Harry, comma, got nothing. Now, Mr. Schultz, what was the mistake? My coming into class today, period. <laughs> Mr. Schultz, you will answer the question. The will divided the estate among the brothers John, comma, James, comma, and Jack, but Harry, comma, got nothing. Now, Mr. Schultz, where was the mistake? Harry should have gotten something, too. <laughs> no, no. He shouldn't have. What's the mother? He's off. <laughs> he is not. Then if I was Harry, I would hire a good lawyer and fight the case. <laughs> Mr. Schultz. I was only trying to see that justice is done. Mr. Schultz, sit down. Now, Mr. Basco, I'll read the sentence and you try to find the error in the punctuation. The will divided the estate among the brothers John, comma, James, comma, and Jack, but Harry, comma, got nothing. 
Now, what was the mistake? Well, I'm going to think Schultz is right. The Harry should have hired a lawyer. <laughs> Mr. Horowitz, what do you say? If you don't mind, I'll wait till the case comes up in court. Morning. I know the answer. The comma should go after Jack, and you take it away from Harry. Himmel, now they cut off Harry without even a comma. <laughs> And you were perfectly right. No, I'm always right. I study hard just like Abraham Lincoln. Like Abraham Lincoln, I light the fire at night. And like Abraham Lincoln, I lay down by the fire. And by the fire, I study hard. If he gets any closer to that fire, will I give a push? <laughs> One more interruption like that, Mr. Schultz, and I'll ask you to leave the room. Well, Mr. Vasco, why are you making faces? Oh, please, Miss Spalding, I'm going to make faces. Is it just that I'm a feel of pain? And I'm a rubber my tooth the way to my tongue. Lu- Luigi, you, you got a toothache? Oh, it's me ain't got a tongue ache. <laughs> I sympathize with you, Luigi. Mr. Basco, you should see a dentist immediately. But I'm a spoiling. A dentist is a charge of money, and I'm not the guy any. Oh, Mr. Basco, that shouldn't be any problem to you. Chicago has many free clinics, and I'm sure they'll take care of your tooth free of charge. Well, uh, maybe... No, L- Luigi, they, they got a real good clinic on West Washington. But, uh, uh you think it's going to hurt Ach, stop that kind of talk, Luigi. You go right down now to the clinic. Well, I... Take an example from my cousin Hugo. For years I told him to take care of his teeth. He told me he did, but he didn't fool me. Yesterday we had a talk, and I know he is wearing an upper plate. Schultz, how do you know he's wearing an upper plate? It came out in the conversation. Luigi, my friend. Hello, Luigi. Hello, hello. <laughs> hello, Pasquale. Pasquale, you ever been to a clinic hey, on sit the... Sit down, Luigi. Is it soon going to be rush hour in my spaghetti palace? i got to finish up this menu. Sit down and read the tablecloth. All right. <laughs> uh, pizza plain, 75 cents. A pizza with a peppers, $1. Pizza with anchovies, a dollar and a quarter. Pizza with the mushrooms, a dollar forty. Pizza with everything, thirty-five cents. But, uh, <laughs> but excuse me, Pasquale. How come a pizza with everything is only thirty-five cents? Because with everything, it's a taste of terrible. <laughs> La scalpini alla massa. Oh, oh what? Uh, Luigi, what's wrong with the side of your face? You saving the marbles? <laughs> Blowing a bubble of gum from the inside? <laughs> Pasquale, I got a toothache. Oh, Luigi, that's too bad. You try oil and garlic? No. No, Pasquale. I'm going to go to school and ask the class. And Miss Spalding say I should have gone to see the dentist. But I say I'm not the guy to no money. Schultz is telling me to go to free clinic. But I'm afraid that now I'm going to know what to do. Sure, sure. What do you expect? You go to everybody, but your friend Pasquale is to bring you from the old country. And what's to happen? Nothing. Why are you always running around like a crazy little puppy looking for a bone when all the time you could have found that bone right here in my head? <laughs> You're so right, the Pasquale. You're the biggest bonehead I ever seen. That's a funny thing. When I'm saying it, it come out different. <laughs> oh. oh, you poor little cabbage head. <laughs> You know, Luigi, your tooth is just like my tooth. When something is hurting you, it's hurting me. When you've got a pain, I've got a pain, too. 
Pasquale, how's our toothache? Uh, Luigi, you being a sarcastic. I'm really mean it when I say that's our toothache. Ow! Yeah, I just got a stab. <laughs> oh, poor Pasquale. Luigi, you said it before you're going to go to a clinic. Uh-huh. Now, we wouldn't take our tooth to a clinic, would we? Why not? The lucky you got me to explain to you. You know how after every dentist's name it's to say D-D-S? Uh-huh. Well, that's the name of the gas that they give you when they pull out the tooth. Oh. But when you go to a clinic, they can't afford expensive stuff like DDS. You know what to happen? What? They spray you with a DDT. Luigi, we've got to take our tooth only to the best expensive dentist in Chicago. But Pasquale, I'm not going to afford it. I'm not the guy of money. Luigi, it's our toothache. I'm going to give you money. You do this with my little banana nose. <laughs> Just to do one little favor for me. One a favor? What's that? When you come out of gas, I'm like it's the first face you should have seen is my daughter Rosa. <laughs> oh, Squire, give me some more gas. Luigi, <laughs> don't talk so fast. If you marry Rosa, I would have done a most wonderful thing for you. What's that? I would have pulled out every tooth in your mouth and put in all the gold teeth. <laughs> gold teeth? Sure. That every time you need money, you take out a one tooth and you pawn it. <laughs> You're going to live like a rich man for the rest of your life till you get down to the gums. <laughs> oh, Pasquale, you paint such a beautiful picture. And it's hard to resist. But I'm a no matter your daughter Rosa. All right, you fool. Go to the clinic and see what's to happen. They get some young fellow who's a practice on you. He's a pull out the wrong tooth. He's the wisdom of tooth. You come back to me, you know what you say? The Pasquale. <laughs> oh, no, Pasquale, you don't scare me with that talk. Clinic is a finer place. So goodbye. If anybody is to call me, I'm going to be in the West of Washington Clinic. Away! Oh, I could have kicked myself. And I was going to give him the best of years of my life. I stitch to him a good. Hello, operator. Uh, give me the West of Washington Clinic. It's an emergency. What? No, I'm no screaming with a pain. I'm just a singing. Hello, Washington Clinic. Listen to George. I've got a very important information for you. The fellas are coming in to have a tooth to pull the free. He's a looking like a bum, but he's a really a millionaire. That's too right. Underneath his old clothes, he's wearing a tuxedo with a full dress underwear. <laughs> sure, he's always a go to clinics to save him money. He's been a go to clinics for the last twenty years, saving so much money I thought to make him a millionaire. You gonna watch out for him? Fine. Who's the name? Uh, Luigi Bosco. That's too right, uh, Luigi Bosco. I should spell it. Uh, B. Uh, uh, no, I'm not going to spell it. What do you think I am, a squealer? Life with Luigi continues in just a moment. But first, Lux presents Hollywood tomorrow night with a triple star cast in one of the most powerful dramas to come from the film capital in years. Joseph Cotton, Valley, and Louis Jordan will come to CBS Lux Radio Theater for an hour-long version of their starring motion picture, The Parodying Case. Mr. Cotton once again will play the great English barrister who falls in love with his beautiful client as he defends her in a murder case, and who finally hears the astonishing truth when he puts her on the stand. Valley will again star as the accused woman, and Louis Jordan will recreate his role of the murdered man's servant. Join us on most of these same stations tomorrow, Monday night, 
when Lux Radio Theater brings you these three great stars in The Paradine Case. And now for the second act of Luigi Vasco's Adventures in Chicago, we turn to page two of his letter to his mother in Italy. And so, Mamma Mia, I'm a went to the clinic and what the trouble I'm a have. Soon as I'm a tell the man I'm a Luigi Basco, he's a push me against the wall and a look at my underwear. <laughs> I say, what are you looking for, a gold? And he's a say, that's right. Then the man is a taking my address and the name of my bank and he says he's a going to investigate me. Mamma Mia, now my tooth is a still a hurt. They're going to investigate me and I'm a really going to be in a trouble. What am I going to do? Luigi, my fellow boobers. Ach, you look terrible. Didn't you go to the clinic? I'm going to the clinic, but they throw me out. Clinic fella, he says he's going to investigate me. What they can do to me? Well, you come from Italy. The worst they can do is send you back to Stromboli. Smile, <laughs> Luigi. I'm trying to cheer you up. If the clinic won't take you, you're coming with me to my dentist. Schultz, this is a dentist. Is it not going to hurt me? Ach, please, stop worrying if the dentist will hurt you. After all, he's a human being, too. What does he do? He straps you in the chair. He sticks by you in the mouth of the needle. He takes a drill and goes... <laughs> Himmel, that's a human being. <laughs> Schultz is a funny thing, but I'm starting to feel worse. Well, don't worry, Luigi. I got a good system for you. When the dentist starts to work on you, the minute you feel pain, you kick him in the leg. <laughs> and that's the gonna stop my pain? No, but it feels so much better when you hear the dentist screaming too. <laughs> no, I'm only fooling, Luigi. My brother Wolfgang went to, to my dentist for two weeks and he never felt a stitch of pain. How's that? The dentist was out of town. <laughs> Am I a stupid head? I just remembered. He's still out of town. Good. But I'm away till he comes back. You're going right now, Luigi. Now, here. Here, five dollars. I give you the address of my dentist building, and over there you're going to find plenty more. Should see you a real life saver. Oh, stop, Luigi. You make me feel like I got a hole in the head. <laughs> Schultz, I don't know when I'm going to return this five dollars. Don't worry. Next week I'll lend you another five. You pay me back. <laughs> go on like this for years, you know. <laughs> I gotta go now, Luigi, and remember, you go right to that dentist building. All right, the shirt. And remember that old saying, be true to your teeth, or they'll be false to you. <laughs> well, goodbye, Luigi, and smile, smile. <laughs> My rheumatism is killing me. <laughs> Well, I'm going out to this medical building. Mamma mia, I'm going to like this. With me going to the dentist, is like a pulling teeth. <laughs> Directory. Mamma mia, is a hundreds of names. Dr. Nathan Feldman, DDS. Dr. Franklin did the yes. It looks like everybody is a dentist in this building. Which one am I going to? Oh, here's the one that looks good. 
psychiatrist. <laughs> oh, that's not for me. Must be fellow who treats the sick eyes. <laughs> oh, this is one I'm like. Cheer up with this. <laughs> He's not only a dentist, but he's a fellow who's a cheer up with the people. <laughs> well, I'm going to go right to him. Huh, here's his officer. Dr. Saul Townsend, a cheer up with this. That's a funny kind of dentist with a picture of a foot on a door. <laughs> well, I'm going to go in. How do you do? Come right in. Thank you, Doctor. Now, sit down and tell me. What's your trouble? Hey, doctor, I'm got a terrible pain. Well, we'll fix that up. Take off your shoes. <laughs> what? I said take off your shoes. Want to be better for you looking at my mouth? <laughs> I don't think I'll be able to see that far down. <laughs> You don't want to look at my teeth? No, no, that won't be necessary. True, sometimes the pain can be the result of faulty teeth, but in your particular case, I think it's tight shoes. Tight shoes? <laughs> Do you mean when I'm wearing tight shoes, it's a squeeze of my teeth? <laughs> yeah, now tell me, young man, when did you first notice any pain? Well, I think it was about three weeks ago when I'm first to crack some walnuts. You, uh... Crack walnuts with your feet? No, with my teeth. Very strange. Go on. Well, the next time I'm feeling pain is when I eat the gumdrop. Pain after a gumdrop? That doesn't seem possible. Oh, yes, sir. And the more gumdrops I eat, the worse the pain is against. Egad. 30 years in the medical profession, I've never heard of a case like this. This will make me famous. Walnuts and gumdrops. I can just see it in the medical journal. Dr. Townsend's Fruits and Nuts Disease. Uh, all right, Doctor, I'm going to get my shoes and the socks off. Yeah. Hmm. Your feet look quite sturdy, but... Uh, have you been using ultraviolet on them? Ultraviolet? Yeah, the, the coloration. Your feet look a trifle purplish. Oh, well, what do you see? I'm one in America all the time. I'm coming from Italy. And over there, I was a grape crusher. <laughs> That the color you see is a muscatel. <laughs> Tell me, has anyone else in your family been bothered by bad feet? Well, now, let me see now. How was the one I had a flat feet? Oh? Was Uncle Pietro's a goat? <laughs> no, no, that doesn't interest me. Now, uh, <clears throat> I would say offhand you might be suffering from a weakened metatarsal arch and pesplanus, which causes a strain in the gastrocnemius muscle, resulting in a rhombosacral strain of sacroiliac. That's a... Huh? <laughs> All of that in a one a little tooth? <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a toothache. Eh, uh, eh, uh, oh. <laughs> Doctor, how am I going to get rid of this pain? Well, there are several things you might try. I suggest soaking the injured part in a big tub of water for a few hours. 
I'm going to hold my head under the water so long. Not your head, your foot. But a doctor, my foot, they don't hurt you. It must, otherwise, why would you be seeing me? I'm beginning to wonder the same thing. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. I'll get to the cause of your trouble. I get up on this table and start jumping up and down. Jumping up and down? Yes. Let's go, double time. Double time? Mamma mia, what kind of doctor is it? He's in a pull-out of my tooth. He's trying to shake it out. <laughs> Luigi, my friend. Hey, Luigi, what's the matter you so perspired and wet? You look like a glass of beer that's running over on the outside. <laughs> Where you been? Oh, Pasquale, I'm just coming from the craziest dentist. I'm telling my tooth to hurt, so what's to happen? He's a take off of my shoes and the socks, he's a making me jump up and down, then he's a crack all of my bones. What? Then he's a telling me I'm got a lot of big names, and because Uncle Pietro is a god, he's got a flat to feet, I'm got a soak in my head in a tub of water. Luigi, that's a sound of crazy. What does the dentist is a charge you for all this? Five dollars and not the kind of fifty cents for blue jay corner plaster. <laughs> You got a corner plaster on your tooth? No, on my foot. <laughs> your foot? So what kind of a dentist you went to? I went down to this medical building where Schultz is sent me, and I'm gonna pick out this dentist. Only he's a calling himself a chiropodist. Chiropodist? Uh -huh. Oh, you big and stupid green horn of bull. <laughs> Don't you know that chiropodist is a fellow who's a deliver babies? <laughs> Today I was almost a mother, huh? Luigi, I thought you was going to go to the clinic. I went. They threw me out and they said they're going to investigate me. Oh, oh, so that's what that telephone call was. What the telephone call? From the clinic. They say they investigated you and because you're not here to answer, they're coming to get you. What the... Pasquale, you know I'm doing nothing wrong. Always I'm going to try to be good American. Don't tell me. Convince the jury. You in a serious trouble, Luigi. If you was to lie in the clinic about your appendix, you only got a one appendix, you only get a one year in jail. If you lie about your feet, there's a two years in jail. But if you lied about your teeth, that's a 46 a year. Well, Pasquale, I'm only got a 32 teeth. Stop trying to get time off of a good behavior. <laughs> But, Pasquale, you know I didn't lie. Go fight at the city hospital. Luigi, remember before how I'm going to tell you it's our to take? Uh -huh. I'm still going to take care of you. How, oh, Pasquale, what are you going to do? I'm going to know how to handle things like this. Now, when the clinic man is a come, you just keep your little trap shut. I'm going to make a believe I'm a Luigi Bosco. Oh. I'm going to talk him out of it, and if he's need a little money, I'm going to take care of that, too. Pasquale, you do this for me? What's different? It's our to take. Now, Luigi, I'm going to do something for you. You're going to do something for me. Anything, Pasquale. What do you want I should do? Well, you hear about the Marshall Plan where America gave a ticket to Europe? Uh-huh. I got it, the Pasquale Plan. What's that? I'm going to give a rosa to you. <laughs> what do you say? What the, can I say? I'm a got to know United Nations to appeal it to. Good. Then I call it a blush and a bribe. Rosa! 
Rosa! Rosa! Come here, my little cupcake. Say hello to Luigi. Hello, Luigi. Hello, Rosa. Rosa, your bride and groom has got a little toothache. Do something to make him feel better. Luigi, you want a gumdrop? Oh, shut up. Uh, pardon me, I'm from the Washington Clinic. Is Mr. Basco here? All right, go out with a rose. I'm a big uh, I'm a Luigi Basco, mister. You come with me in the other room and we talk. Oh, we can talk right here, Mr. Basco. I hope you understood what we told you on the phone about investigating you. Uh, we're very sorry for the way we treated you at the clinic. What? Uh, you go, go. Uh, we feel so badly, Mr. Basco, that we've brought our head doctor to have your tooth taken out right here. Oh, Dr. Walton. Uh, wait a minute. I'm not to Luigi Basco. Oh, you won't hurt a bit, Mr. Basco. Now, open wide for the doctor. There. Uh, take your head off of me. Luigi, tell the doctor I'm not to Luigi Basco. Oh, you're not to Luigi Basco. Well, I'm a wonder who is it. Goodbye. <laughs> All right, open wide. Uh, wait, Luigi. You wouldn't have let this fella take out of my tooth, would you, my son? What's the difference, of Papa? It's our to take. <laughs> and so, Mamma Mia, what looked like it was going to be a bad day for me was it turned out the good after all. I'm going to have the heart to let the Pasquale suffer. So I'm going to go right back to the store and explain everything to the doctor. Besides, there was nothing to pull out of Pasquale's mouth. It was all pulled out the 12 years ago. <laughs> Best part of all is, I'm no got the toothache no more. Dentist is a pull out of my tooth, and it's not to hurt you too much. Mamma mia, you should see the big hole I'm going to now where the tooth used to be. Is a wonderful place to keep a gum drop. <laughs> Your loving son, Luigi Basco, the little immigrant. Life with Luigi is a Cy Howard production and is written by Mac Benoff and Lou Derman and directed by Mac Benoff. J. Carol Nash has starred as Luigi Basco with Alan Reed as Pasquale, Hans Conrad as Schultz, and Mary Ship is Miss Spaulding. Music is under the direction of Lynn Murray. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll be with me next week as I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.